I'm John, and tonight I want answers about who's going to be our next president. I'm John Thompson. I'm John A. Vink. I'm Keith Statenfield. I'm Loretta Beavers. I'm A.J. Minnick. I'm Jennifer Sim. I'm Jim Too. I'm Bobby Chastain. These stories tonight on John Wants Answers. John Wants Answers. John Wants Answers. Give John Answers. Give John Answers. John Wants Answers. John Wants Answers. Give John Answers now. Check your calendar. If it says January 14th, 2021, then, well, I can't say we're live, but that's when we recorded this. And welcome to 2021, our first show of the year. And man, these past two weeks have been the longest decade I can remember. Yeah. Hi, Keith. You stole that, you stole that from me. I stole that from you before the show yeah. started. Although I, I say this last week has been the longest decade of my life. Although right. now these last nine days have been the longest decade of my life. My guest tonight is Keith Statenfield. Hi, Keith. Hi, John. He's my guest tonight because... Yeah, no one else would agree. True. Yeah. But, but I didn't ask anybody else either, so there you go. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a show about politics, so I'm drinking. <laughs> Before we get into the big story, uh, big news, we have a new affiliate. This time, you're going to be blown away, Keith. This time, it's in New Jersey. The Westfield Community Television in Westfield, New Jersey joins us. So, wow, not, not a month too soon. Yeah, they're going to they're gonna really look forward to this episode. After this, after seeing this, man, they're going to be like, we picked the right show. Yeah. The broadcast to our New Jerseyan people, New Jerseyans. Is that how we call them? New Jerseyans? Jerseyites? Hmm? Jersey Files? Okay. Jerseyans? <laughs> Let's get, this is going to be like a four-part show. We're going to talk about the, the Georgia Trump phone call, then the Georgia Senate results, and then the Congress certification of the election results, and then insurrection yeah if we have time if we have time we'll talk about the insurrection inauguration okay we got a lot of stuff to go so let's let's get started right away uh we had the georgia trump phone call now this is where donald trump called someone in georgia who did he call uh secretary of state uh brad somebody brad raffensperger yeah, that guy and that Secretary of State. So it's his job to certify the election, I guess? Oversee the elections, generally. Okay. But usually all registrars of voters report to the Secretary of State in most states. We all heard this hour-long phone call. How is that possible? We've got ears. Well, I guess the phone call was recorded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Who recorded the phone call? Uh, I don't know for sure, but clearly someone in Brad's office. Okay. Either Brad or Brad's lawyer or, I mean, someone said they were all on cell phones and that kind of surprised me that they were able to record the call, but someone did. Mm -hmm. And so it's Georgia, legal. Is it legal to record a phone call without everyone knowing? In Georgia, it is legal to record a phone call as long as one of the participants in the phone call is aware of it. Okay. And I guess that, that implies 
it has to be someone who spoke during the call or at least someone who at the start of the call said, I'm on the call. So on this call, what was Donald Trump asking for? I mean, mostly Trump seemed to be badgering uh, Brad to change the already certified results for Georgia such that the winner was not Biden-Harris, but instead was Trump-Pence. So he was looking at the point in time he called him. There was no way that would happen because Georgia had already certified its results. It had already picked its official electors. Its official electors had already sent their votes to Congress. You can't change it at that point. Yeah, they went to the Electoral College. They voted. The results were en route, I guess, to Congress. They didn't go to the Electoral College. They they are the electoral college. Is the electoral college a physical place? No. Only in our minds. Yeah. Okay. Um, so even though Donald Trump was looking for, I think it was 11,780 votes. Yeah. Well, because he lost the state by 11,779 votes. Wouldn't it be suspicious if this Brad guy said, oh, we recalculated and we found exactly one more vote than Turn, we did. Turns out we did the math wrong. We forgot to carry the 11,780. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. yeah, that would be a tad suspicious, mm-hmm. but it would be suspicious if he changed the vote and found 10 more because he couldn't change the vote anymore. Right, it was way past the yeah. certification time. I'm getting the idea maybe Donald Trump doesn't know how government works. Does that sound right? Yes, but I mean, I, I think his history is a long series of badgering people to get what he wants, even when he knows he shouldn't get what he wants mm-hmm. with the expectation that he just he just wears people down or just does what he wants instead of what he's supposed to do. Now, the way that Georgia certifies election results, isn't it like a, there's a board of people who all vote? I guess I don't know the specifics, but I'm certain that in each county they have a registrar of voters and those registrar of voters are in charge of the votes for their county and each county certifies their own vote in whatever fashion that is. Usually in the end, it's the registrar of voters says, these are our county's vote results. And they forward those to the state and the state adds up all of the counties and gets an answer. So it sounds like this um, Mr. Raffensperger, even if it was before the certification date, he couldn't himself declare who the winner was or what the vote numbers were. There's a people get together and certify it, right? I don't know what he would have done to come up with 11,000 votes. I mean, they would have had to find some set of county vote totals, which when changed resulted in a net 11,780 vote change. You know, plausibly 
Donald could have called an awful lot of county registrars and gotten each of the ones that predominantly voted Republican to go, whoops, we forgot to carry a thousand. Uh -huh. And you get 12 of those counties. And if you believe those counties, then they send new numbers. But it, it was way past the time anything could happen. Right. Um, and he, I mean, he talked about how on the call, he said, well, there are other states that are also going to be changing their certified results in the next day or two. You don't want to seem to be the only state that didn't fix this massive vote counting mistake. Ignore all those fraudulent ballots. And let's pretend all this somehow worked magically. Even then, Georgia doesn't have enough electoral college votes to have changed the result that Biden won, right? That's correct. There would have had to be, I think, three states minimum to have changed, mm -hmm. which voted for Biden. Now, this Georgia call is only one we know about. I mean, it's possible he called five or six states, the same kind of... The Georgia one is the only one we have a recording from. We yeah. have since heard from other people inside the White House that other states were called. Mm more than once not just that saturday but you know since november president trump had been badgering different states to change their electoral right decisions because he believed that they were not correct is it a crime to pressure the secretary of state to lie about the results i am not a lawyer but i think when you are the president and you call someone up for an hour and you tell them you need to change these numbers and they say, I can't change those numbers. And you're like, look, I just need you to find 11,700 votes. That's mm -hmm. all I need. That that has crossed the line from, are you sure you counted your votes correctly? Into uh, I am part of a criminal conspiracy and it's probably both a violation of the Federal Voting Rights Act uh, and various laws in Georgia. So like it's a multiple part crime. Well, let's now move on to another Georgia election. To, we have to, uh, Georgia nine days ago. Senate results from last Tuesday. Or last Wednesday or yeah. So why was Georgia having an election so long after the federal election in November? Um, Georgia has an interesting aspect to their uh, voting system where they require uh, that whoever wins receive a majority of the votes cast. Okay. And the last election. the election in November, uh, there were more than two candidates for each Senate office and no particular candidate in either race got a, a, a majority, got more than 50%. On election night, Purdue got more votes than Ossoff did, mm -hmm. but there was a libertarian in that race and some very minor candidates. In the Loeffler-Warner race, uh, Loeffler got more votes than Warner, 
Warner got more votes than the next candidate, but none of them were above 50%. Okay. And so they go to a runoff. Yeah. Uh, and I think the runoff is two months after election day because they first have to finish certifying the election results from November. And that happened in early December uh, or possibly late November. And then they had a, you know, a month for the second campaign where the only two candidates were the top two vote getters from the previous election. Right. And in that case, it's almost guaranteed that one of the two of them will get a majority. Right. I'm not even sure if the law requires someone to get a majority in the runoff. In the runoff, it may just be whoever gets the most votes. But if you get the most votes and there's two candidates, by definition, it has to be a majority, right? Uh, you could still tie. I don't no. know what happens then. Maybe they flip a coin. Some places do that. So who who won this uh, runoff? Uh, in this case, uh, in both races, the Democratic candidates won. Uh, Reverend Warnock won uh, against Senator Loeffler, and John Ossoff won against Senator Perdue. Now, why was this race so important? It became important after November 4th because uh, as it turns out, the, the result of all of the other Senate races in the country were that the Republicans did not have a majority uh, without winning one of these two seats. Mm -hmm. And the Democrats would be in the minority if they did not win both seats. So they won both. Even having all. won both seats, the Senate is divided 50-50 if you include the fact that uh, that, uh, two, that one or two senators are independents, but they caucus with the Democrats. This Bernie is Sanders very, isn't a Democrat, he's an independent, but... This is a very exciting time for our new vice president. Um, how would you pronounce the name of the vice president-elect? Uh, vice President Harris. Okay. So Vice President Harris, this is uh, a- I believe it's Kamala. Kamala, okay, Camp Kamala. Don't, don't quote me on that. And the appropriate title to call her if you were ever talking with her is Vice President Harris. Okay. Till she tells you you should call me and then you just listen to what she says and that's how you pronounce it. Okay. Um, now this is gonna be a very exciting time for her because the role of vice president of the United States is mostly ceremonial and they have no power. But now she's going to be voting on everything in the Senate because everything will be tied 50-50 and she'll be the tie-breaking vote, right? Uh, I don't know if she'll be voting on everything. There's an awful lot of stuff in the Senate that can pass by significantly different margins than 50-50. Okay. I haven't um, heard of any uh, things passing that weren't along party lines. Well, in the long, long ago, you know, the... Uh, average Supreme Court judge would get 94 yes votes and maybe a couple no votes. 
That's uh, most bills yeah. have, by the time they get there, I mean, we, we used to have more, we used to have less division in the Senate. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, the, the most important vote she will probably do in the Senate, at least in the short term, is she will break the tie for who will be uh, the uh, leader in the Senate. Mm -hmm. And the leader in the Senate is nominally the person who sets the agenda. Right. That's Very been powerful. Mitch McConnell since 2015 or 20. It's been Mitch McConnell recently. Mm -hmm. And most power is he just does not bring any vote that they don't have a Republican majority in favor of up for a vote. Right. Since... Vice President Harris will vote, presumably to have uh, Chuck Schumer mm -hmm. as majority leader. You know, Chuck Schumer will set the agenda for what gets voted on in the Senate. Right. And all of the committees of the Senate will have more Democrats on them as voting members and Republicans. Um, was this election uh, in Georgia incredibly fraudulent? I don't believe so. Okay. I mean, Brad does not believe so. Oh. And he is the guy in charge. And he's Republican. And numerous papers have not found any significant evidence of fraud. They did find a couple fraudulent votes in Georgia oh, really? uh, in the November 4th election. How many? Uh, I believe less than 20. That would not have switched the result. No, and most of the fraudulent votes were people that voted for Trump more than once or oh. voted for their dead mother for Trump. So Biden should have won even more. Yeah, it might have been he needed 11,790 <laughs> votes. And let's move on to the Congress certification of election results. So um, normally this is a non-event, but there's a joint- Normally it's a ceremonial event. Correct. And uh, it's a, one of the few times that both the House and the Senate get together for a party yeah. and they figure out who's president. And it's- Well, they-, they announce who's president really i mean it it is a foregone conclusion mm -hmm. on december 13th who is the victor of the votes in the electoral college well in normal times that'd be true but in these times there was some sticky moments we'll say uh, shit went down yes um so, I mean, I've heard, I've heard reports that it is the vice president's job to pick who the next president will be, which I found confusing because why wouldn't Al Gore just have picked Al Gore in 2000? Well, if the vice president's job is to pick who the next president is, we could save a lot of trouble with all that electing. Yeah, we don't need elections anymore. Um, and I guess that's one way one party wished things had gone. Um, or at least one person. 
What was the vice president's role during this meeting? Um, Congress? I mean, the vice president is the presiding officer in the Senate. You know, that goes back to the very, very first, the original constitution when they thought the vice president would have more of a opposition-y role in government. I mean, Vice President used to be the person that got the second most votes for president. Right. He's not a running he was mate. He's a running opponent. Certainly opposed to the president, mm -hmm. which was why he never got invited to cabinet meetings and never had anything to do. And then they realized that is very, very dumb. Yeah. And they changed it. They left him as a presiding officer in the Senate for reasons. Mm -hmm. um, but since he was presiding officer of the Senate, and since the Senate and the House are getting together, and since the Senate is considered the more, the higher status body, he was chosen to preside over this particular aspect of when the House and the Senate come together to count the electoral votes for president. Um. Now, this didn't go smoothly like usual. Usually, you know, the vice president would say to each state, hey, who voted for, what did your state vote for? It, it's a ceremony. Mm -hmm. You know, the electors have previously gathered in each state and they have produced documents which say we, the three electors from North Dakota do hereby cast our vote for president for uh, Donald J. Trump of Florida. We mm -hmm. cast our vote for vice president for Mike Pence of Indiana. Uh, and so the vice president is the guy who gets handed an envelope, looks at the front of the envelope and says, this is from North Dakota. And then he opens the envelope and he hands it to the person who is standing at the lectern, mm -hmm. who then reads what's on the piece of paper. And if you watched the thing on Wednesday, which I did because I am a glutton, hmm. and then, then I became terribly, then bad things happen. Uh, right, but the person at the lectern just was saying the same thing each time, you know? This appears to be the electors from North Dakota. It appears to be properly filled out. Mm -hmm. They have cast three votes for Donald J. Trump of Florida. They have cast three votes, right? And they go through the states in alphabetic order. Mm -hmm. you know, it takes three or five minutes per state. Uh, and so, yeah, add all of that up and it's a couple hours of time of the vice president standing and smiling and a person switching out at the lectern every so often. And off to the side, in theory, there's a guy with a piece of paper writing the numbers down, except they don't have that because everyone knows what the total is and they've known what the total was since December. Mm -hmm. So at the end, Michael Pence would say, and the net results are Joseph Biden of Delaware has received 306 electoral votes. Donald J. Trump has received 232 electoral votes. 
Joe Biden received enough electoral votes and will end is the elected next president of the United States. Now this time they were reading the states alphabetically. Yes. To Arizona and there was an objection. There was. Um, the procedure uh, allows uh, members of Congress to object if they believe the ballots they've gotten shouldn't be considered. Mm -hmm. uh, and that goes back to during the Civil War uh, or before the Civil War. Uh, in some states, the uh, some states, the legislature looked at the election for president and sent a the copy of our electoral votes to Washington, and the governors sent a different set of electorals to Washington because there was some conflict about who had act, you know, who had won the state, and there was uh, disagreement. And so in Congress, if you have two envelopes from North Dakota, each claiming to be a valid envelope from North Dakota, someone has to decide which envelope counts mm -hmm. if or that neither envelope counts. So the process was if a member of the House and a member of the Senate each uh, have signed the letter saying, uh, I object to the certification of the electors from Arizona. Then uh, Congress splits up. The Senate goes back to the Senate chambers. The House stays in the House chambers because they did it in the House chambers because they're bigger. Uh, they have up to two hours uh, for the people who objected uh, to state their case and for the other people that believe they have two hours to have a discussion. Right. At the end of that, they vote, uh, and the majority, you know, whichever side receives more votes, mm -hmm. uh, is considered that house's idea of these are the proper electors. Then the two bodies come back together. If they have both agreed that this particular set of electors is the one we should count then they consider it. Otherwise, they count no electors from that state. They did that for Arizona and they split up. And then something and, crazy happened. And then something crazy happened. There was a insurrection. Uh, there was an insurrection. Okay, so what is an insurrection? Uh, I mean, an insurrection is an attempt to overthrow the current government of a city or state or country or whatever. So people are trying to overthrow the government, particularly during this meeting. Well, in this case, um, the morning uh, of the count, uh, President Trump uh, had attended a, a rally uh, near the White House uh, at a place called the Crescent. Um, and he and a number of other Republicans 
uh, spoke and gave speeches uh, to the assembled crowd of many thousands of people, um, largely extorting them to this election has been stolen from you because the House and the Senate are about to announce that Joe Biden is president. And we all know that Donald Trump won the election. Uh, there were many fraudulent votes. There were absentee votes that shouldn't have counted. There were tons of illegal immigrants voted. Uh, they ran all the Democratic votes through the machine seven times, so they got counted seven times, right? They had many things they claimed to happen, none of which have actually been found to be true and didn't happen because they've been investigated. But they, there was a crowd of people there uh, who would come there because they disagreed with who they think should be the next president. Mm -hmm. And they got riled up by a lot of speakers. And that event ended around noon or one o'clock. Um, Donald Trump was, I believe, the last speaker. And among other things, he had said, you know, now we're, we're all going to walk down to Congress and we're going to let them know that they can't take this election away from us. Okay. And a very large number of the people at that rally by the White House, in fact, walked about a mile uh, down to stand outside the Capitol on the east side and the west, you know, to stand at a, a couple different rally spots around the Capitol mm -hmm. because there were a couple different organizers that, you know, suggested we're going to meet here and we're going to make our voices heard. And shortly around the time that the uh, count started in the House and Senate, um, one of the things Donald Trump has been saying for months is that Mike Pence does should decide who gets to be president. Mm -hmm. Mike Pence can decide what electoral votes count. And Mike Pence had been saying that is not something the Constitution or my understanding of the law mm -hmm. or my ethical code allows me to do. Right. And so he announced he was not going to do that. And at that point, uh, a number of the people outside essentially decided, well, we're, we're, we're not going to be outside. We're going to go inside. Uh, whether they what they wanted to do when they were inside is unknown. And there were a lot of people there and different people had different thoughts. But largely, I think they wanted to disrupt the vote and keep it from happening with the belief that if Congress doesn't vote today, then we'll have some other way of deciding who the next president is. Clearly, when they entered the building, the Capitol, they were all shot, right? Uh, they were not all shot. They were not all shot. No, I believe at most one of them was shot. Only one? Uh, I believe that's correct. How, how is this possible? Don't we spend like billions of dollars on national defense? Uh, we, and then apparently we all people in this country. More than billions of dollars on national defense. Really? 
Uh, I mean, we have spent trillions of dollars on national defense. It depends on how far back you want to go. But we couldn't defend the government against being overtaken by its own people. We did not do a good job of protecting uh, the Capitol building from a very large, unruly mob of people. Um, that's so, that. I mean, if you have 10,000 people that want to go somewhere, it is very hard to keep 10,000 people from going somewhere unless you are willing to indiscriminately mow them down. And generally, we don't indiscriminately mow people down. I didn't think that Antifa was, you know, so violent to try and break into a building like the Congress. Well, you have not been paying attention to your parlor feed or the things your uncle posts on Facebook. Um, wait, so are these not Antifa people? Uh, I believe very, very few of them were Antifa people. Now, if they've gotten into the building, and well, they get in the building, and they eventually got to the Senate, and the house. They were chanting, hang Mike Pence. Correct. So let's say they got to the Senate and they hung Mike Pence. Does this mean that the guy they supported would become president or would there be another way of doing it? I'm going to make the claim that although the law says Mike Pence needs to be up in front of the Senate opening the envelopes and overseeing the process, if a mob has recently murdered that person, mm -hmm. that we would just find another person to open the envelopes and things would proceed. But it could be argued that, well, if you can't open the envelopes, then you need to go to fallback plan B for picking the president. If no person receives a majority of the electoral votes, then at, at the end of this process, you know, if, uh, if it had come up, you know, 260, 258, six, yeah. you know, Ross Perot got some electoral votes back in the long, long ago. Mm -hmm. uh, you don't have to have two candidates for president. So you can in fact have someone that doesn't get a majority. Uh, the constitution says, well then, the House votes for president and the Senate votes for vice president. The House would have clearly voted for Biden. Now, when the House president... votes for president by state. So each state gets one vote. Mm. Uh, as it turns out, there are more states which have majority Republican delegations. Uh -huh states with majority Democratic delegations. Mm -hmm. And so if no one had gotten 270 votes in the Electoral College, then the House would likely have voted uh, for Donald Trump because mm. uh, he's a Republican candidate and there are majority Republicans in the House. Would all the Republicans have voted on party lines or do you think any of them would care about democracy? I would hope some of them cared about democracy, but again, it's a per state vote. So if 30% of your state delegation cares about democracy and 60% of your state 
delegation is Republican, you could still mm -hmm. vote for the Republican. Uh, I mean, um, we have not selected a president that way in a very long time. So after this insurrection of the Capitol, have there been uh, many arrests? Uh, they have been arresting, they've been identifying and arresting people. Mm -hmm. uh, it is, I mean, it is possibly the most videotaped insurrection ever. Well, uh, there are thousands of people who streamed themselves or other people breaking into the Capitol. Mm -hmm. You know, in the week since, they have discovered that, uh, I mean, the Capitol, I am certain, has cameras uh, in many places for security. Uh, almost everyone these days has a cell phone. Cell phones triangulate their location so that your cell phone company knows where you are. So we know an awful lot of people whose phones were near the Capitol during that time. Uh, there is an astounding amount of evidence that will be looked at to see who was there and figure out what they did. Uh, and assuming there is not a blanket pardon issued by Donald Trump before the 20th. Uh, many of those people will likely face charges in a court uh, at the minimum for uh, trespassing in a building that they were not allowed to go into. Is it a state crime or a federal crime for the president to call for the murder of the vice president? Well, uh, he was in Washington, D.C. when he did it, so there's no state it happened in, so it would have to be a federal crime. Federal is it legal in Washington, D.C. because it's not a state? Uh, no, it's, it's illegal because it's a federal crime in Washington, D.C. So are all crimes in Washington, D.C. federal crimes? Uh, no, they also have a, they have, I mean, the District of Columbia has its own government, that government is allowed to pass laws. Congress has to approve them. But uh, those are, in effect, municipal laws. I don't know if Washington, D.C. has a municipal murder ordinance or not. Uh, but Donald Trump is a federal officer. And calling for a federal officer's murder is a federal crime. Oh, OK. Um, so he could easily just pardon himself for that. Donald Trump? Uh, that's untested. Untested. We'll see. I mean, I'm sure he'll, I'm sure if he's charged, eventually a hour long phone call will come out where <laughs> Donald Trump is talking to the, I don't know, the judge of the case on the phone or the prosecuting attorney, just like, mm -hmm. look, I just, I just need you to find one reason that I'm allowed to murder. You've got to find just, five jurors. Just one reason why this was okay. I don't need. I don't need six reasons why it's okay. So now we move on to impeachment. Impeachment. So I guess some people thought this insurrection, inciting an insurrection, was bad. Yeah. And so now in the House, specifically, if they thought it was a high crime or misdemeanor, would this fall under misdemeanor or high crime? I'm gonna. I'm gonna say high crime. I heard that high crime 
doesn't mean that the crime itself is higher than other crimes, but someone who's high level in government committed the crime. I was that on the citizenship test because truthfully, when I was in school, we did not spend a lot of time on the definition of high crime. Uh, it was unlikely any of us were ever going to do it. So there's been an impeachment. There, and there, now yeah. it's the job of the Senate to convict him. Is this going to happen before his term is up? Well, it's it's the job of the Senate to try him. Right. If uh, two-thirds majority of those present uh, believe he is guilty of a high crime or misdemeanor, then he is convicted. Mm -hmm. And if he is convicted, he is removed from office. And after he is convicted, uh, the Senate can impose other, I'm going to say punishments, but they're not quite punishment, can impose other conditions as well. But do you think that the trial and the vote will happen before Donald Trump's term is up? It appears today to be highly unlikely. Uh, the Senate is not in session at the moment. So is there a point to having the trial if he's already out by the time they have the trial? Well, that is a ethical question. We have a justice system which convicts people because justice needs to be done. You need to convict him in order to impose additional conditions. One of the additional conditions that many senators believe is appropriate is a prohibition against ever holding any position of public trust or authority again. Mm -hmm. uh, that would prohibit him from ever running for office or being appointed to anything. From the perspective of the future, we may want to say, since someone could foment and encourage an insurrection one year into their presidency, uh, it would not be good for them having done that and having failed and then having been impeached in the future for them to be able to point back and go, well, you didn't impeach the last guy that did an insurrection. So I don't think you can impeach anyone for doing an insurrection. You know, it can serve as a warning, as a stake in the ground for what is acceptable and not acceptable to the population of the country uh, as to the behavior of our chief executive. Well, that's uh, our show this month. Yeah, heck of a thanks, show. Thanks for joining me, Keith. And um, hopefully um, next month, we'll no longer be doing shows on who is the next president. Well, we could mention it briefly during the opening. Yeah, we could say, now we know. Now we know. Yeah. yeah. After I mean, the inauguration, that's President, it. President Pelosi was a bit of a surprise, but okay. <laughs> All right, good show. High five. <laughs>